All right, time to hand out some game balls. He's Blank. I'm Branham, 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. I'm feeling a little frisky. Usually one of us would give out the game balls first, but how about we go to the HRP listener line for J-Dog to give out a game ball before we do. J-Dog, who's your game ball to? I'm giving the game ball to my entire Baltimore Ravens squad. I'm also giving it <laughs> to CJ because, like I told you guys, I was there week one when we played the Texans, and I told everybody how good CJ was going to be. And uh-huh. also, too, can we petition people to stop grabbing Lamar by the ankles when he goes down? I get it, trying to get him down. But let the man go, and let's, let's not hurt him. We need let him this go. Year, it's tackle God. football. No, I don't they think should, defenders are thinking. Him. We don't hurt him. <laughs> Should we not tackle this quarterback as he runs free in our secondary? Uh, Baltimore played well yesterday. I'm not going to point out that Joe George wanted to play Seattle plus six at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. Just, just details. Just details. Uh, yeah, we're not going to mention that that uh, he sold us that game. But, uh, yeah, the Baltimore Ravens killed Seattle. I've seen a lot of people. We'll probably talk about this later in the week. The week goes on, halfway point of the NFL season. I've, I've started to see more and more people say that the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC. Yeah. I, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there yet either. I was shocked by that. Several of the national media on TV yesterday were saying that other than the Chiefs, the Ravens are the second best team in the AFC. And I'm going, really? To this point, that's what your takeaway is? The Ravens? Yeah. I'm not there yet either. They've had some dominating win. I mean, Seattle, playoff-ish team, dominated them. Detroit, playoff team, dominated them also had some questionable. Like, they lost at Pittsburgh. They lost to the Colts. They had a seven-point game against Arizona. Uh, I'm not there with Baltimore. I, I'm not even sure I'm putting them in my top tier uh, in the AFC. But, they're I mean, they're a playoff team. There's no doubt about that. And they're, they're playing hot. All right, who are you giving a game ball to, Blankers? I'm going to go off the beaten path just right off the top for the first one. I'm going to go with Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs deserves a game ball because we, we saw this last year when Baker Mayfield was picked up midweek by a Rams team that inserted him as the starter, and he somehow was able to get a win. What Josh Dobbs did yesterday, throwing for two touchdowns, rushing for another, 158 yards, leading his team to victory without even a practice for the Minnesota Vikings, that's pretty worthy of a game ball. Yeah, that was awesome. Like he, they were practicing the cadence and the snap on the sideline because Dobbs had never taken a snap from whoever the Viking center is. Uh, that was sweet. That was a, that was a cool moment. Um, that was Yeah, awesome. That was a good call on that game ball. I'm going to give my game ball to the Kansas City defense. I don't know if Taylor Swift was there or not, but she must have been there in spirit because that Kansas City defense was phenomenal. They've been really good all year. Like We yep. kind of sleep on their defense. But Miami was the number one offense in the league. Kansas City held them to under 300 yards and held them to 14 points. That was a dominating effort by that Kansas City defense, and that's why I'm not putting Baltimore as my best team in the AFC because you have a Kansas City defense that can look that good, and then we still know offensively, maybe it's not all clicking yet, but they have Pat Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, they have Travis Kelsey. I still have Kansas City as my my top team in the AFC. Oh, I do too, and I think the other thing is they shut Tyreek Hill up because Tyreek Hill was talking all that mess about you know, no matter where they play, they're going to have to, you know, do that work on whoever they were playing against. And not only did the Chiefs defense play well, but they forced Tyreek into a fumble that turned into a, a score that turned out to be the difference in the game. So Mahomes went out and said, not only does, because they asked him, do you think this is the best defense you've ever had as a Chief? He said, I think it's the best defense in the NFL. I'm not going that far. Yeah. I know that Philadelphia's front seven and, and when their secondary's right, that's a pretty loaded defense and there are some others. 
But I will say this, for a team that was always one-sided with not a lot of defenders, Kansas City's defense has looked good all year. Yeah, I never believe a guy who's praising their teammates is saying they're the best at whatever. Uh, good. Probably the best defense they've had while he's been at Kansas City, but not best in the league. Right. Uh, but very, very good. Joe, who are you giving a game ball to? How dare we give out three game balls before me and not one of you or J-Dog gave one to the man, the myth, the legend the of Dari Agumbawale oh. <laughs> kicking that field goal. What a moment. That, that was, was awesome. pretty amazing. Like, when you think about the fact that he said, did he say after the game, or they were saying he had scholarships to play both football and soccer in yeah. college and thought it would be more beneficial to play football. Smart. But the, the <laughs> fact that he wasn't even, like, practicing into the net on the side when they brought him in for his first field goal and he drill, literally drilled it. I mean, it was a low liner. But to, to not have the punter be the second best choice as your, your your kicker replacement and have a guy kick a field goal when you had to have it, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't know how that's the case. I don't know how Dare's a better kicker than Cam Johnston, but somehow he's a better kicker than Cam Johnston. I think uh, the I, broadcasters made a good point, though. When you're a rugby-style kicker that you really don't practice like place kicking and things like that, that maybe he just didn't have that... No, I, I get it. Like I, I get that from a rugby point of view, but I still think the punter is going to have the better yeah. foot than the or leg uh, than the running back. But I, I usually don't give the game ball. I, I don't consider this a Texan segment. That's why I didn't give it to. Dar I agree Ray, with that Joe. too. Yep. Uh, Key from L.A. though does want to give a couple of game balls to Texans. Key from L.A. Make my game ball goes to Tank Dell and C.J. Now this is a team to watch. Maybe we should change Key from L.A.'s name to Key from Kirby. Yeah, maybe, maybe Key or Kirby. Key from NRG. Yeah, I mean because. Then maybe he'd have some winning takes and have a chance to at least sell one of his many properties on Bad Take Boulevard. Yeah. But right, yeah, what's your next one, join a winning team. I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts in a big game against the Cowboys, and I saw a lot of people that were picking the Cowboys to win that game, upset the Eagles, and make a statement. Jalen Hurts took a hell of a shot at the end of the first half, and everybody held their breath in Philly, and no one was sure if he was going to come back. Not only did he come back, the dime he threw to Smith in the corner of the end zone and the way that he orchestrated that team coming, you know, coming from behind and then taking the lead and then putting the Cowboys away. Jalen Hurts played his tail off yesterday. Yeah, he was good. That was a nice win for Philly. I saw Dak taking a lot of heat. I saw the referee taking a lot of heat for not allowing that offensive lineman to report eligible because oh, he didn't right. report or whatever. A winnable game for the Cowboys. I would have put in the Cowboys into NFC championship contendership if they won that game, but they didn't, so they don't. People uh, want to crap on Dak. Dak did not play bad yesterday. No, I didn't think he was bad. I, I thought he was pretty good. Uh, my next game ball goes to Joe Burrow. He's been so good since we shared that elevator in northern Kentucky. Burrow was 31 for 44, 348 yards, a pair of touchdowns, and yet again proves that he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL and that he's better than Josh Allen. Look, I don't know how I mean, I don't know how anybody can argue that point when he plays the way he plays and, and the big thing was he wasn't healthy at the start of the year because everybody was obviously watching the Bengals as the team that might be a, a huge disappointment this year and it was all based on the fact that he was dealing with that calf. Now that that calf is healthy and he is you know even the when they interviewed Chase before the game and he was talking about, look, you know, we can do whatever we do as friends off the field, but when he gets dialed in in between those lines he, he is different, and you could see it. He was in total control of every situation last night, and, and he is, I, I think you're absolutely right, the second-best quarterback in this league. 8693 says that uh, Burrow now 5-1 and one heads up against Mahomes and Josh Allen. That sounds right. I'll take his word for it. Cool Joey B. All right, Joe George. Cool Joey George. Who do you have as uh, another game ball here? Well, uh, he mentioned uh, Tank Dell earlier, so I'm going to mention another, another player in the NFL 
that caught two touchdowns from a rookie quarterback. I'm going to give my game ball to Kenny Moore. Two pick sixes on Bryce Young <laughs> this weekend. The ninth player to have that in a game since 2000. He was balling for them. Good call. I had him on my list, too. I like how you phrase that. He caught two touchdowns from a rookie quarterback. Uh, that was um, That's what the Texans should have done to Bryce Young last yeah. week. That stings. All right, Blankers, you got another one? No, I'm good. I, I, that, those were the ones that came to my mind. I'm going to give a game ball. Like you got Jalen Hurts. Yep. I got Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill threw a touchdown pass, caught a touchdown pass, and was the Saints' leading rusher. I mean, it's got to be the first time in history, Baller. right, that a guy throws a touchdown pass. Does that count? Touch, I mean, they, the Bears covered. Yeah, they, well, they did us the way. right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, Taysom. That's 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 unbelievable, though. Like you throw a touchdown, you catch a touchdown, and you lead the team in rushing. I'm sure a running back has probably done that. Yep. Like maybe like a halfback like throw. I bet you Walter Payton's done that. Right, I'm sure. Call. I'm sure there's been. I bet you running backs have done it. I bet you running backs lead any other positional group at throwing a touchdown, catching a touchdown, and being your team's leading rusher in that game. But a tight end did it. And Taysom Hill. That was a heck of a performance for Taysom Hill, and I got him in one of my fantasy teams, and I'm really appreciative of that. You got another game ball, Joe George. Uh, yes, I just I don't normally do team game balls, but a shout-out to the Oakland Raiders and oh, Antonio yeah, Pierce yeah, beating now. down the Giants. <laughs> I, what'd you say, Jeremy? He's I said right. they're in Vegas now. They're in Vegas now. <laughs> You're right. My bad. Good call. That's all I got then. No, no game yeah. ball for I don't you, know, Joe. How do we feel about the victory cigars, though? I like it. Because McDaniel sucks and they're just no, celebrating I, I like, life. I mean, you know, I, I am a fan of enjoying a win. Plus, they've been so bad, and since they got to Vegas, and, and you know, and, and since McDaniel took over, it, it, there's been that whole locker room, and then all the turnover after the Gruden stuff, and and with a GM coming out of the NFL Network booth. You know, they needed something like that to change the culture and try and get a different attitude in the locker room. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. P- Pierce is now going to get consideration for the permanent job. Josh Jacobs had a pair of touchdowns. Max Crosby had three sacks. And, yes, they all had the victory cigar. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I think you should celebrate wins. I, I, if, hey, if it's me, they should do like Red Arbach was doing before the clock ran out. They should be having the victory cigars in garbage time with a minute and a half left to play. I just worry about They're fire alarms Stadium. in the locker room. Oh, stop being so soft you know. with fire alarms. I'm just wondering. No. I, I'm worried about if they're setting them off. I don't think that's blanket. soft. Don't be a wet blanket, blanket. Well, they could be a wet blanket if they get doused <laughs> yeah. with water. Put those cigars with a minute and a half I left to play. I didn't say put them out or stop doing it. I just no, wonder no. how those fire alarms work. <laughs> I'm, 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 you're probably right. You're technically right, but I would love to see it. I'm here for it. All right, 713-780-ESPN. We're going to have Mailbag Monday in 15 minutes, so you can get your questions into the Killer Bees about whatever you want to get it into or whatever question you want to get into. Now, we do this each and every week. We give C.J. Stroud a golf grade for his performance this week should be fun what are you what is your grade for cj stroud after his performance this past week 713-780-ESPN it's the killer bees on espn 97.5 espn 92.5 hey a moment here before we get to the break for allied siding and windows i mean all state siding and windows all state siding and windows best in the business matter of fact i just placed my order they're going to be doing new energy efficient windows in my house and they are the best in Houston at doing them, and I have total confidence they're going to do it right because they explained everything to me right up front, and they explained to me the fact that it's the quality of a Texas tough window that can withstand the hurricanes, but they can also be prepared for the winters and the hot summers, and they're always going to keep the good energy in and protect your house on the outside. And you can save up to 40% on your energy bills with these vinyl windows that I'm talking about. They have expert installers. It all runs in the family. It's four generations, almost 50 
90 years in business. They know what they're doing, and they're going to take all of that knowledge and share it with you. Right now, they're doing $150 off on Windows with a minimum of 10 Windows. They do 12 months, no interest. They do nine, eight, eight and nine months, same as cash. They always take care of their customers because they know word travels fast. They hear all the time that listeners to ESPN 97.5 Go to them because they hear us talking about them, and then they understand that there are so many people that say, oh, I went to them, and they did it better than anybody else. You can be the next in line to have them come to your house, see what they can do, explain how they can do it like they did for me, and understand you're getting the best people to install the best product that is the best thing for your house, which is your biggest investment. Call them today, 832-204-1936, or go to allstatesidingandwindows.com, 832-204-1936, or allstatesidingandwindows.com. We, uh, we golf great Stroud after each game. He's blank on Branham, 8693, par three, hole in one. Um, Stroud was, I don't know if he did anything poorly in the second half. First half, you can nitpick a few things, Blankers. Yep. I thought the offense was a little bit choppy in the first half. Uh, he, he First play of the game, you know, kind of threw behind Tank. He had the deep ball to Tank. Where if that connects, that's six, by the way. Yep. Like Tank had yep. several yards on his defender, and the safety was over the middle. Tank would have scored on that Threw play. it over Tank's head on the sideline, too, didn't yep. he? Same series. Yep. Yeah, that was the same series. Um, he was a little bit off in the, in the first. He really was. Uh, so you could nitpick that first half, but, I mean – he was kind of perfect in the second half. I, I hate to use that phrase, uh, but 16 for 20, 325 yards, four touchdowns in the second half. One of the greatest halves of football I ever played. And I don't believe that's hyperbolic. I really don't. Show me a half that's better than that. Numbers I speak really want to see it. Yeah. And, and, that's like, and again, like as we were talking about earlier, like he threw the ball 20 times, completed 16 of them, and it wasn't for like 100 yards. It was for 325 yards. It was for four touchdowns. He was going deep. He was throwing the deep ball. He, or, he led a come-from-behind drive where you have to score with 46 seconds left, and he was able to do that. That throw to Tank uh, where he dropped it in the bucket before the touchdown, I mean, what is the that? What, a, what yep. a throw. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, Jeremy, is you weren't getting your doors blown off either, right, where you just had to sling it around the yard. You knew that your running game wasn't that effective, but you were in a very tight, winnable ball game where you had to execute. You had to make plays, and you couldn't slip up. And he did exactly that. I mean, like you said earlier, they knew coming out of the locker room that they were going to throw the football. They knew that that's what the Texans had to do because their running game was not existent. Yet they, and it's not a slouchy defense there, and we saw their front seven. Their linebackers and Vita Vea and those guys, they're tough, and their secondary ain't bad. And, and he tore them up with the way he was able to pass the football. And that's why it was so... That's why it's so special. One, the numbers speak for themselves, and they weren't inflated by being down you know, 15, 20 points. And every play, there was it was ramped up by the, the how important it was to stay into that football game. And he won the game, and that last drive just solidified everything. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the last drive was uh, incredible. Incredible second half. He was able to cap off that you know, great second half of the game-winning drive. Uh, Ken and Galveston, real quick, by the way, uh, this is a, a little bit of a, a tangent, uh, but Ken and Galveston letting us know about the, the cigars in the locker room. Cigars in the locker room are fine. I'm an alarm technician of 43 years. The steam from showers would trigger both in the heat detectors. All you have to worry about is some bozo uh, tripping a pool station, which is highly unlikely. Smoke away winners. That's good to know. Yeah, we can light you. up. A, mm-hmm. We can light up a victory cigar maybe every Friday at the end of a. Uh, at the end of a show. Maybe that would uh, – Ken and Galveston Bring Lance's okay. kids. They'll join in. What? Lance was telling us. <laughs> that was so funny. Okay, so I was on Instagram this weekend, and Lance's oldest son got married. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at Lance's Instagram, and it looks like I see a, a, an 11-year-old smoking a cigar. <laughs> Apparently, like during the wedding, Lance walked out, and his youngest snacks 
was smoking a cigar like with, his, with <laughs> his brothers. He said all of them were, but he said when you know when he showed up and caught him, you know they were kind of like trying to put the cigar down, hide it. Snacks wasn't even hiding it; he just kept going at it, and be like, brought, "Yeah, I'm here. You're here." He probably didn't realize. He probably didn't realize he wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> Pretty Snacks. funny when he was telling the story. Smoking a cigar. All right, so we thought that CJ played great. I mean, he did. CJ was fantastic. Uh, what's your golf grade for C.J. Stroud's performance yesterday, Blankers? I mean, I was thinking about this because we, if we go by scorecard, are we playing par threes and par fives, or are we just, you know, just like par birdie? Because this is like, this is double eagle territory for me because of the fact that, you know, he 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 put the team, everything we just said. He put the game on his shoulders. He put the team on his shoulders. When he didn't have a running game, he did what he had to do. He made the the tight throw. He made the, the, the tough throw. He made everything happen. So I'm going to go double eagle. That's what I, I settled on because, I, you know, there's still some room where you could do some things a little differently. Not much better, but I'm going to go double eagle. Can I get so a you, hole here? So you going, are you going uh, what minus do you mean, three? Can I get a hole? Like it's a par five, par That's four? That's what I asked. That's why I was saying. I don't Hold know if we're doing it. Hold on a second. What, what, Joe, you just showed your ignorance here, which is fine to be ignorant. Just well, don't give me par stupidity. Five. Okay, but to be to have a double eagle, it doesn't. I mean, you can't do it on a par three, obviously. But a double eagle is going to be minus three. Yes, I'm just making sure. It's a it's a it's a hole out on your second shot on a par five. That's what I was going to ask Blankers. Was it a par four? Was it a drive on a a par four? Or was it your approach on a par five? No, he hold out from on a par five on your approach second shot. I'm so, I'm irritated with Joe. <laughs> Why? Well, what else is that new? question? That question just irritated. <laughs> you think me. I've ever been close to a double eagle in my life? Can you give me? But you're a, a sports minus? fan who plays <laughs> the game. Yeah. What is a, a birdie? Time. What is what is a birdie? One. Joe? Okay, it's a minus one. What is an eagle, Joe? Minus two. Okay, what would a double eagle be, Joe? Minus three. Okay. I'm just making sure. Oh, I'm disgusted. Monday. I thought when you said, what is a birdie, Joe? He's going to say, well, there's a cardinal and a robin. I see those on the course. Hopefully it wouldn't be that bad from Joe. I'm it's gonna possible. Give it, I'm giving it uh, the same thing that you did, uh, uh, Blankers. I also put a lot of thought into this. Uh, he piped the drive. Yep. He piped the drive. I mean, a bomb of a drive. 340 yards right down the middle. Maybe he's playing in some altitude. I don't know. Maybe it's a short par five. I don't know. But he had such a good drive that he has a Five iron approach. Ooh, I was going to ask you three you wood. See some of that you see some of that now on the tour because these you know the the equipment now is yep. way too good. Yeah, but he's got a five because he drove it so well. He's got a five iron approach into a par five. He plays the slope left to right break. It sneaks in, kind of takes a little you know roundabout turn right around the hole, kind of like Tiger Woods back like in the tour. day, and it falls in. It falls in. C.J. Stroud with an albatross. As he is a performance jet. It has to be. 470 yeah. yards, NFL rookie record, five touchdowns. Like, it has to be a double eagle. Yeah, my only question to you was what club did he use? Because I was iron, going either. He bombed the drive. I, I thought either three iron, hybrid. You know what? Or possibly a three wood. If we're, if we're making it because of how he played yesterday, his second half was far better than his first half. Yep. So maybe it was just like a mediocre drive. Like, it was fine, it was okay. But the best part of his eagle, a two on a five, was his approach, was the yeah. second half of that two as opposed to his first half. So I'm going to take it back. His drive was fine. His drive was okay. But he had to play like a, a three-wood fade, kind of to cut the corner on a tree to the right side of the fairway. Played it perfectly. Left to right break. Falls its way into the cup. Double eagle for C.J. Stroud. Yep. I, I was all- thinking five-wood, by the way, Joe. A lot more elevation. Thanks. Land softly. I Someone- also do yeah, a lot of work for this segment, but I give my opponents a hole designation before the game. Okay, so I, I said this was a par three. 
because the Buccaneers they're they're not a great football team. They're a good football team. So I, I get I get a par three here. So I got to go ace. It's a hole in one. See, because I, I thought a, about a hole in one. But why, why are the Buccaneers a par three? Eh, I don't think they're a good. So that, team. that's an eagle though. That's not a that's not a minus yeah. three like you would put it, Joe. I know it's a my. I know it's not. So you're giving them an eagle. I not gave a, not I, an albatross. No, you're actually giving I gave them an, an eagle. eagle. Yeah. I know. Well, well, well the Eagles landed. No, I'm not a copycat. I'm not going to copy what you guys did. I thought you guys were also going to go Eagle. Well, we, ours is just more accurate. Yeah, right. and we thought ours out individually, and it described exactly why. Well, I'm not yep. changing mine, so I know you might not like it, but I give them an Eagle. No, but you just said I don't want to be a copycat. Well, but yeah. then, but then, I, but then you followed it up with, but I knew what you guys were going to do. No, no, I, I, did, no I didn't know you guys were going to go that high. Eight six nine three par three hole in one. So he agrees with you, Joe. Uh, nine four four zero hole in one. Yeah, but the ace of par four was it a long? Was it a short par four? Right. Uh, Thirty thirty nine par four eagle off the tee was in the light rough. Then he shanked it right in the hole from two hundred yards out. Oof. That was not. That's not a good. That's not a good no, accurate description of what shot. of what C.J. Stroud did yesterday. I don't like that one, Dusty and Mont Bellevue. Uh, Eight six nine three actual hole in ones happen more often than rookies throwing for four hundred and seventy yards. Joe, Fair. it's a great. It's a great point. It's a great counterpoint. So we are officially halfway through our golf scorecards. Um, you both are tied with your grades on C.J. Stroud. Having him at a minus three mm-hmm. on three the under season, through, three through under, eight, right? Yep. yep. No, through nine because we counted the preseason. Oh, that's right. Uh, so, and I've got him at minus four. So we're all pretty much right in the same territory. Yeah, we're all high even on the though, leaderboard. Even though you you gave him an eagle today, not an albatross. Yes. We gained strokes on you on this hole you alone, got, yes. and yet we're still behind you. Yes. That's weird. Coog Blaze says hole in one at East River Nine. We're going to be at East River Nine on Friday, yep. by the way. Come say hello. Sponsored by Gentle Ben. Uh, <laughs> D'Amico said honey hole in one. I was watching that. Uh, I was watching Twitter. Emmanuel Acho. Is it Acho or Acho? I never know. Uh, Acho. There you go. Um, he <laughs> he was describing that uh, that CJ Stroud throw to uh, Tank Dell, the second to last one, the the one we were talking about earlier, the not the tapper. touchdown one, the yep. toe tapper, kind of the uh, the fly route in the into the dropped it into the bucket of that zone defense. He called it the honey hole. I've never heard it. Oops. I've never heard to it referred hmm. to as that. Hmm. Have you? Uh, no, I have I've never not. heard that. Uh, the more no, you know, but, I, I learn something new every day. But uh, whatever you call it, it was damn good. He called it the honey hole. I think it's part of a, of a defense, an open area in the defense. Manuel Acho. All right, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Time for our Mailbag Monday. You can ask the Killer Bees whatever you want to ask. It can be about Stroud. It can be about the Texans. You can ask Joe about his golf game. <laughs> 713-780-3776. Mailbag Monday with the Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. One of the things that you need to know, by the way, if you ever get into a car wreck, we hope it never happens to you, but look, it's life. It happens. I've been in a couple. Never my fault. Blankers has been in a couple. Never his fault. Uh, Whenever that happens to you, you need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. Store that away in your brain. If I ever get into a wreck, I need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm. We're looking out for you whenever we say that because you don't pay a thing unless you win your case. You're right, Jeremy, and they, they know how to take care of their specialty, and their specialty is car wrecks. You know, they don't mess, mess around like some of these other law firms. They try to spread themselves so thin and do so many different things that you don't get their best at what they do best. In this case, you get the very best 
doing exactly what you need, which is they take care of you in an auto accident. That means if you need someone that's bilingual and because it makes it easier to communicate so you can get your point across and get everything that you need to be taken care of, they've got you taken care of. They've got people that are going to be with you every step of the way. They're going to ask what happened. They're going to talk to the police. They're going to get the reports. They're going to understand it all. They're going to take on the insurance company. They're going to take on the other driver. And the main thing is in their objective is we are going to win this case for you so you get back and get back to being exactly who you were and your car and vehicle too before the accident. And one of the most annoying things of getting in a car wreck, uh, you know, the damage, but also dealing with the insurance companies, I hate that. So don't do that. Let Hollingsworth Law Firm do that for you. Give them a call right now for a free consultation, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773, or visit the website, carwrecktexas.com, carwrecktexas.com. Mailbag Monday. You can ask the bees whatever. 713-780-ESPN. He's blank on Branham. Uh, Alex on the Twitch, he wants to ask you, Joe, what's your drug of choice? (laughs) Alcohol? Okay, I was going to go with caffeine. Alcohol is a good one. I like Gentle Ben. Dip for him. Yeah. So that would be nicotine, I guess? Yeah. Mine is obviously caffeine. Yeah, would, mine's probably mine's probably caffeine. Yeah, I mean caffeine's number one. I just don't view it that way. I guess we should, but yeah, I had to dial it back after le- last week and a half. I've been way overloaded on caffeine. Would you have two or three cups? Or yeah, like I had the big uh, americano, and I've you know with the time schedule, I'm trying to do it so that I have it later in the morning now, and then I just get completely gassed after the gym. So I t- I have the big americano, and then when we get ready for the show, I'm like, nope, I'm gonna need some more. And I kept loading up, and then woo, hard to sleep some nights. Yeah. You're, I mean, that happens to you when the Astros lose games in July. It does. Yeah. <laughs> One nine seven zero. When do you put up Christmas decorations? After Thanksgiving, please. I think I, I think the people that are over. I thought I was driving around. Uh, I was taking Taylor somewhere on Saturday, and I see that like one of the home and garden places says fresh cut Christmas trees available now forty bucks. I'm going. Who's putting up a real Christmas tree? This early in November, and then what are you just hoping to God it makes it through the holidays? Yeah, that's weird. I, my, my answer to this is when my wife tells me to. I try not to put up Christmas decorations. I try not to do it, but eventually I get forced into doing it. So that's that's my answer. Do you do outside? Uh, not very, very, very mildly. I try to. That's where I'm like you. I try to run from that, avoid that, and ignore it. When Lisa says maybe we should do lights outside the house this year, and then inevitably last minute she's like, "Aren't you going to decorate outside?" I'm like, "No." Yeah, she'll say that, and I'll just kind of like go quiet. Yeah. (laughs) Crankshaft and Hitchcock. What are your dream vehicles? Oh man, I'm not a big. My my buddies and I have talked about this. I'm not a big car guy. Even if I made a ton of money, I don't think I'd be into all cars and have these different cars and these expensive cars. I guess if I had my ideal luxury vehicle, it'd be probably be, it'd still be an SUV. It'd probably be like a Range Rover. Okay. Give me a Tesla and a truck, and I'd be good. Okay. Uh, 0170, could Lando Norris have won the Brazilian Grand Prix if the red flag wasn't waved? I think it's still under review. Uh, the answer is no. McLaren never wins anything. 713-780-3776. Mailbag Monday. Keep from L.A. Keep from Kirby, I mean. Hypothetically speaking, let's say... The Texans win two out of the next five Super Bowls. Do they take the city from the Astros? Oh, I think that it would be. I think it would be close. Yeah, because they would be the hot team. So the hot team win it, and football is king in this state. No matter how great the Astros have been, and the Astros, a lot of people are starting. I hear rumblings already that they think that this is the beginning of the decline of the Houston Astros. I'm not there yet, 
But yeah. regardless, you went two Super Bowls in five years. Yeah, you take the entire city by storm. Yeah, football is king. Assuming the Astros aren't doing something better, like three World Series in five years, I would say yes. The answer is yes. Three seven zero three. Where do y'all rank Stroud's performance in Texans quarterback history? Man, I mean, right up there with uh, who was the backup quarterback that got a playoff win and then was an assistant coach for a year. <laughs> oh, uh, you're talking about TJ Yates. Yates. Yeah, TJ Yates. Uh, look, I mean, it's up there. I mean, it's not a playoff game. It's not, you know, a do-or-die situation in the biggest game of the year. But it's hard to say that it's not one of the top two performances in Texans quarterback history. Yeah, I would uh... – I don't know how to answer this because I'd have to go back and look at a bunch of shop games. Like Watson had a few games that were pretty great too. 470 yards, I would imagine, is top two in Houston Texans history. I want to say Schaub might have had one that was really? greater. I think so. Like he had a high 400 game too. I could see Deshaun going with a, a big 400 game once or twice, but didn't they say, oh, it was just the rookie record? It wasn't the all-time record for yards no, by a quarterback? No, it wasn't the all-time record, although it's higher than a lot of like Hall of Famers have ever had. Oh, I'm saying for the Texans, though, was that not their highest yardage game by a quarterback? I don't know. It was not. Matt Schaub threw yeah, for 527. Okay, it was a 500. I thought it was a high 400. Actually, he had two games higher than 470. I just pulled up his game log real quick. I didn't. I forgot about the 527 one. The one How that I picks? remembered, he had two picks, five touchdowns, threw it 55 times. The one that I remembered was 497 at Washington. Did That's they the win those games? I, they won both of those games. Well, then they there you go. They won 37 in the 527-yard game against Jacksonville, and they won 30-27 in the 497 But he wasn't a rookie. No, he wasn't a rookie. Now, Shab, I remember Schaub having a high 400. I didn't remember the 500 one, though. So I guess this would have been, assuming that Watson didn't have one of 470, this would be third. Yeah, yeah Watson's fourth. Watson, okay, yeah. I didn't think Watson had one this high. I, I will go. I will kind of, I guess, stray away from this answer a bit to say that C.J. Stroud's the most talented quarterback the Houston Texans have ever had. Cash or trash? Cash. Cash. Okay. Uh, 8863. If all the ESPN radio guys were running a football team, who's the head coach, GM, OC, DC? Assign everyone a position, including yourselves. Oh, yeah, we're not going to do everyone, but give you. Give, let's just do those four positions: head coach, GM, OC, DC. Head coach is Granado. That's a good call. Uh, OC is Lance. Yeah, a lot D- of running. DC. Hmm. Man. Are we doing this as just as as a show? Just all of us? Just every personality. You get every personality is in the pool, but you have to fill those four positions. But am I doing my own separate one? No. And you? Okay. Yeah. 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 You're doing your separate one. I'll do my separate one. Man, I'll take. I, you have to. We have to put ourselves in it. You don't have to. Oh, okay. You have to, good. You have good, to fill good, those yeah. four positions. I don't. You know what? I'm going to put Lance at at, at uh, GM. Okay. Well, I'm gonna put. Call. I'm gonna put Granado at head coach. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put Jeremy at offensive coordinator. That's a good call. And I'm gonna put. That's a good call. Creighton de- defensive coordinator because he can clog up the hole. That's a lot of points. He's not We're playing. Gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go not playing. DC not defensive tackle. Yeah, I'm but gonna, you know what? It's our. I'm going to go with myself as the general manager because I can scout better than Lance can. I think they were on record of doing that. Did you stop? Didn't you say you couldn't? Okay, never mind. I'm also going to buy the groceries for my own team that I'm running, so I'm also going to be the head coach of my team, GM head coach combination. I'm basically Belichick. I'm also going to be the offensive coordinator 
uh, of this team because if I'm going to be a head coach, I'm going to call plays. So I'm not lazy. So I'm going to be the offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator's tough. Jeez, why not just finish it off? Okay, I will. I'll also be the defensive there coordinator. You go. So I'll be the head coach, GM, OCDC. I'm going to buy the groceries. I'm going to call both sides of the ball. What do you? What about you, Joe? Uh, GM, John. <laughs> I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go head coach, Lance. OC. I'm going to go blankers. And then DC, I'm going to give it to you, Jeremy. Because Thank you. Yeah. Let's yeah. call it dollops and blitzes, baby. I feel like you'd be really aggressive. Maybe too aggressive. Yeah, so I we would. looked out for our, OC our, our, our fellow showmates in the middle of ours, and Jeremy just took care of Jeremy. Well, I'm trying to win. I didn't include uh, myself. <laughs> oh, you're trying to win. I see. Zero three nine two. Would you rather wake up in a random place every time you fall asleep or punch someone in the face every time you sneeze? Well, can you can you be prosecuted if you punch someone in the face? I would have to ask Paul because I think he does wake up in a random place every time he falls asleep. I'm going with oh. the punch. <laughs> oh, ouch. I think I'd rather wake up at a random place every time I fall asleep no. than punch somebody. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a not a fighter. Yeah, well, a random place could be like a, I mean, a street corner. I don't know. I mean, you don't want to wake up just anywhere every time you wake up. I also don't want to punch people in the face, Blankers. Okay. I'm punching people. I think I'm punching people, too. Yeah. Like, I don't want to wake up in, like, Alaska. How do I get home? Just don't sneeze. Just make sure you don't sneeze. You're fine. 1984 says my team would be 0-17 falls. Uh, was Stooge wrong about Levis? I think he's too early. I think it's still too early to call it definitively. But two games in, I'm leaning more towards Jeremy than Stutes. I, I think that Will Levis is going to have a, a decent NFL career. Yeah, he was wrong. Yeah, hundred percent, he was wrong. Now there are some. I do have some Levis concerns. Though. That second half against Pittsburgh, I didn't love. I think some of the stuff that people didn't like about him pre-draft that maybe I didn't really recognize. I, reading defenses is a struggle for him. He kind of just like prays and throws a lot of times, which is not going to be successful and sustainable in the NFL. So he's going to have to be better at recognizing defenses and then being able to go through progressions and stuff like that. That's that's a pretty big weakness that I see in him. In, I saw in him in that second game against or the second half against Pittsburgh. Um, okay, all right, that does it for our mailbag Monday. We appreciate you for playing along. All right, I believe Mondays. What do you believe after the college football weekend? It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograft procedure. You know the holidays are coming up too, guys. He does more than the Neograft. He also does Botox, plastic surgery. So if you want to get the gift that keeps on giving, get your loved one maybe a little extra something special over the holidays as well and consider that. But Doc Linville always does the Neograft procedure, does it better than anybody else. And if you don't know what it is, I'm here to tell you from personal experience, the Neograft procedure is getting your own hair back, and it works. You can get it back in your hairline or up on top if you've got that baboon's butt that's starting to show and get shiny and you don't like to you know, to go without a hat. Well, I'm telling you right now, you got to go see Doc Linville. And as a listener to ESPN 97.5, he makes it so easy, it's painless. It literally is. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com and set up your first appointment. That appointment is absolutely free. It normally costs 150 bucks. There's no obligation, no signing on the dotted line, just an informative session where you ask questions, you get answers, they explain how it works, you see if it's right for you. It's fantastic. The one thing that stood out to me, 95 to 99% of all these follicles that they're going to move are, are going to absolutely stay and grow and be with you for the long haul because they're taking them from a place genetically where you never lose your hair. No matter how bald you go on top, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. That's just genetics, and that's the, what the doc explained to me. 
Doc Linville explained that and then told me how he did the procedure. When I went through it, it literally was painless. You could see the follicles immediately. You could watch their development and growth, and they got stronger and longer, and they're with me for the long haul. I could not be happier. You could be the next to do it, too. Go to 975hair.com right now. Set up an appointment. Check it out and see if it's right for you, too. Tell them I sent you by because I could not be happier with the Neograft or the best in the business, Doc Linville. We'll get into our beliefs for the college football weekend in just a moment, but let's go out to the HRMP listener line real quick, 713-780-3776. Paul, you're in the high with the bees. What's up, Paul? Hey, guys. Uh, good show today. Uh, it's always easy after a resounding Texans win. I, I think some credit needs to be given, or not enough credit has been given to the Texans offensive line because for the most part, for at least the second half and most of the first half, there was no pressure whatsoever. Not to take anything away from Stroud. It was obviously a, a once-in-a-lifetime type performance. But the, the O-line deserves some credit. I, I also wanted to give, give something to Joe on his you know, definition of a double eagle. If an eagle is minus two, why, yeah. isn't, a, why isn't a double eagle minus four? And I'm a golfer, and I know what a, a double eagle Thank is. You. but. But I think, you know, there, there is a legitimate question there. So I have no problem with Joe, you know, not knowing what a double eagle is because minus four is two times minus two, and, and double means times two. Finally, I wanted to uh, – I don't know if you guys made the uh, reference to Council, Craig Council being hired as the manager for the Cubs, but everybody was saying he was going to be going to the Mets. Uh, because he had a relationship with Stearns. Well, clearly he wasn't. So I really hope, A, that the Astros were in on him, but I'm pretty sure they weren't. And, B, that we don't wait until the last minute to hire a manager because we saw what happened. The, the, the two of the last three times when the Texans were hiring a football coach, when the Texans were last in line, they got they got table scraps. And last year, when they went out and hired Ryan, they had a plan and they got the best coach available, and that's bearing itself out. That was a lot, Paul. Thank you very much. Paul, call anytime. <laughs> well, so basically, I mean, what did he do? He dumbed it down for you? I mean, technically, I understand. Like, Eagles 2, what double my, Eagles 4. That was my question. <laughs> but go look at the USGA. Go look at the Webster's Dictionary. It's, it's, it is minus 3. Now, it makes no sense. It's no, a hot, it zero I, I'm, sense. I'm cashing the hot take. But we all know what a double eagle is. Yeah, I mean, he, he had to come in to try and save the day and dumb it down. for You had your opportunity to explain yourself. <laughs> that was my, that's why I asked the question. But then, like, once I got challenged so much, I didn't actually want to say that on the air. I mean, and sound dumber. Joe, how are you making a minus four on one hole? Uh, hole in one on a par five. Okay, yes! you got it right. Joseph George, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he's showing his flexing. You believe that? You, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That was a great segue. Do you believe that? <laughs> Paul's right about the offensive line, too, by the way. Michael Dieter, tipping my cap to Michael Dieter. That was well done. He, yeah, he did not. I did not expect him to play well. He played well. All right, what do we believe in here, Blankers? I believe that the Washington Huskies are going to be in the running for the national championship Let's go. all the way through. They were impressive. Michael Penix is the real deal now. And I also, as a sidebar, I'm not sure I want a quarterback that wants to go cuddle with their dog and watch their shows when they lose a football. But Who did that? That's what Caleb said after the game. Eh, that doesn't really bother me. He cried with mama. And he cried with mom before that. I have some, uh, yeah, that's all my, my, my I believe. So I'm not going to dive into the Caleb Williams thing yet. You know who liked Michael Penix back when he was at Indiana? You. That's right. Shock. I sure did. I on, know how to evaluate. Based on what? 
talent, skill, like ability to throw the football. What, what do you mean, what? He was so <laughs> the bad. Things? No, he wasn't. I wouldn't. You look he at stats okay. too much. He was not you look bad at, stats. at Indiana. Some people look at stats. Some people watch the film. I mean, you're either one of those two. There's two different types of people in the world. Uh, Washington looks good. Yeah, they they were impressive. They look really good. They look really really good. Um, they got a shot to make this playoff. They, they, the Pac-12 is ridiculous though. Like they're gonna have to beat Oregon again, probably in the Big Twelve ti- in the Pac-12 title game. It's crazy to me too that Nick, to Joe's point about Penix, which he was slightly wrong about on Indiana. But Bo Nix got out of Auburn because no one thought he was very good there, and now he's no. lighting the world on fire at Oregon. A Pac-12 is where quarterbacks go to survive, I and guess. Like revive their careers. Like the uh, who's the ukulele guy? The ukulele guy, yeah, Oregon from State? Oregon State. Like he went from Clemson. He was yep. awful, and now he's thriving in Corvallis. Did you just call him DJ Ukulele? I did. It's pretty yeah. close. It's ukulele, so it's not that. too far off. There, ukulele. That was ogle. I mean, it's a. I mean, it was a. It was play on words. A little Easter egg. I know what it was. It was, it was a, a lot of one, a lot of fun there in uh, Waco. The the Houston Cougars getting their first Big Twelve road win in overtime, going a little two point conversion for the win. Nice to celebrate a Big Twelve conference victory on somebody else's home turf. That was a lot of fun. That felt great. Got to get that off my chest. All right, what do you got here, Joe? Iowa and Northwestern should be kicked out of the Big Ten. Iowa's going to win their division. I know they are. <laughs> their but offense that was, is awful. That was the, one of the worst things I've ever – the over-under was thirty was like 29 and a half. They scored 17 points. So they, they really they – they played really well offensively then. I mean, just like what an awful, awful game. Those teams don't should you, be kicked out of the Big Don't you give Northwestern a pass after the whole Fitzgerald thing and everything until it sorts out? I don't think they would have been much better, honestly. Yeah. They've had some quarterbacks. What was named Simeon? Yeah, but they're they're gonna fall behind. If you're hanging your hat on Marcus Simeon, Trevor, no Trevor. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If you're hanging your hat on the World Series winning second baseman as the best quarterback in program history, you got some things. Oh, what's your next one? They Lakers? had a running back too, right from the Bears. They got a couple. They have some good players in the NFL. I think they have a left guard. They had a, they had a first round pick this last year in the draft. Skaronski, right? Yeah, yeah. Skaronski was. From I just I think they're going to fall behind with that with the NIL stuff. They're not. It's not going to work in Northwestern. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It's going to be a tough league too with all the new teams coming. It's going to be a hard conference to win. What you got, Blankers? I, I'm telling you right now, Alabama's starting to figure it out. Not that they're going to win a national championship, but Alabama is not. I thought they were done and they were going to go away and they weren't even going to be relevant as we speak about the playoff. <laughs> Alabama's figuring some things out, and, and I think that they could. If you're not careful between now and when it all when we get into this playoff, I think that they not only can get in, they could make some noise. And that I would not have said that for the last several weeks. Let me. Uh, I think you're right. I like that Milrose playing better. Let yeah, me piss he really off thirty uh, percent of our listeners before I go call a basketball game here. Texas is lucky. Texas yeah, is lucky. They're lucky. Kansas State misses an extra point that would have given them the one-point lead. Kansas State then misses a chip shot field goal all in regulation. Now, Kansas State did rally, get a stop, go kick another field goal, so at least they sent the game into overtime. But don't forget about that missed extra point. Don't forget about that missed field goal. Then in overtime, Texas gets held to a field goal. Kansas State immediately gets it first and goal at the six-yard line only to turn it over on downs. Texas was lucky to survive that game against Kansas State and Austin this week. Oh, you're not wrong. I was watching it thinking the very same thing, and we had this conversation last week, and and I I didn't think that they were going to finish in the top top ten by the end of the season. They are extremely vulnerable. I see Ewers is throwing again. 
I don't know that that's the solution. I don't think that's the biggest problem. But, man, that they were darn lucky. Kansas Super State, lucky. You know that, though, Jeremy. Kansas State's not a bad football team. No, Kansas State's underrated every – well, not every year. But they're underrated most years. They're, they're really good under climbing. Like, they, they're good. It's a good team. I was hoping that they would win that game because I don't want Texas or Oklahoma to win the final Big 12 title. Have you been to Manhattan, by the way? They call it the Little Apple? Yeah. Yeah, they call it the Little Apple. Is it worth anything? It's a cool little college town. Okay. Yeah, it's a cool little college town. Joe? Georgia will not win a game in the college football playoff. Mm, who's beating them? Don't know. Don't care. I don't think the quarterback play Quarterback play. I think I just them think and Ohio there. State. Yeah. Like it's, it's not there. I don't think Ohio State's going to make it. They're going to lose to Michigan. Now, we'll see. Michigan's athletic director today removed himself from the college football playoff committee. And there are reports that there are sanctions coming for Michigan, so maybe that'll throw a wrinkle in all of this. Yeah, they're like, make Harbaugh sit out a game or two. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's gonna be like two games at most. So I just I don't believe in Georgia this year. That's think, gonna be the extent of it. I think so. I think so too. I don't think they're gonna punish the team. Wow. Yeah. I, maybe I just, in the future. I don't think they'll punish this year's team. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I don't think this year's team is gonna be left out of a college football playoff or anything like that. The only thing they'll do is if they lose. Like I would to be spiteful, I would make sure Harbaugh missed the Ohio State game, but. We'll see what I'd happens. like that, but I would like Ohio State to beat them just because of all this crap. Because I would like to see it affect them this year, but you, you know, you guys have been pretty staunch on the fact you don't think it's going to happen. I, I'd like to see that too. I would like to see the karma. I, I don't mind that whatsoever. I'm going to jump in, jump the line here because I want to talk about this Caleb Williams thing, Blinkers. Yep. I think you do too. Yep. Uh, Caleb Williams crying at the end of the Washington game is a good or bad sign. A couple of takes here. RG3, we know him. Watching Caleb Williams sobbing with his family after losing the game will capital letters break your heart. This young man pours his heart out for his team every time he plays. Any NFL team would be lucky to have him as their QB, and this emotion shows how much this game means to him. Jason Whitlock quote tweeted that, wow, I see just the opposite, undraftable. And then Coach Jason Brown from the Netflix series, how about play better and man up, you soft weirdo bleep. (laughs) Hat-wearing excuse-making clown. Quit making excuses for these soft bleep kids and man up. I wouldn't draft his nail polish wearing bleep if he was the last quarterback available. All right, Caleb Williams crying at the end of the game, good or bad sign? Are you more RG3 or are you more Jason Brown? I honestly think it's a nothing burger. If you can play, you can play. If you're passionate and you love the game that much, then that's you can look at it that way. I don't think that he's soft. I think that he's got a lot to learn still. I think he's just way too talented for anybody. To, Jason Whitlock is just uh, uh, he, he's a, just looking for clicks all the time and stirring it up. But I, I, it doesn't change my belief that Caleb Williams is a real deal NFL prospect that is going to be just fine. I, I'd rather see him do that. Like, is it kind of weird? Sure, but I'd rather see him show that care and that passion that he has to like win rather than him just like taking off his pads and like going to the tunnel and not caring at all. Yeah. Well, you know, like the people that were suggesting he should just wrap it all up, quit, train, and get ready for the draft. And, and I'm glad he didn't do that and see it that way. And, and you want a quarterback that cares. There's no doubt about it. I don't know about the quote about cuddling with my puppy or my doggy and yeah. watch, catching up on Netflix or whatever, but okay. Yeah, it's a weird quote. Maybe that's just something you keep in-house. Yeah. Like, yeah, do that. Or that's in your own to brain. Do that, yeah. to, like, to, like, tweet it. It's kind of odd. Here's my problem with Caleb Williams. Okay. Last year, Ma- uh, Max Duggan was crying at the podium. Yeah, that's and funny. Caleb Williams tweeted, "LOL." Yeah, and then you're and like, you can't have that response, and then cry after a football game. Yeah, that's. Do we know that of... he actually cried? Because he was hiding behind the sign. That's a good, good point. Fair point. Was, was he Tamar looking Hamlin, to try and ride the wave Hamlin of emotion? Real. Yeah. Tamar Hamlin is real. What was the question? <laughs> is Tamar Hamlin real? Oh, 
Okay, we're not going there. I just thought we were wearing tinfoil hats there for a second. No, I, I thought that too, though, Blankers. Like, you didn't really see. Right. You didn't really see. All right, that does it for uh, I Believe. I'm going to go call a basketball game here right quick. Uh, season opener, Houston taking on Louisiana Monroe, so the boys will take you the rest of the way. Uh, Stroud has passed every expectation times 10, so what's next? The boys will discuss. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hour three of the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and Joel Blank taking you the rest of the way today as Jeremy Branham gets ready for some Cougs basketball. See how good they are this year in the new Big 12. Top 25. Oh, they're, they're still, top 10. They're still a very good team. Tough yeah. conference. I mean, but you have questions. you got to replace the... Oh, yeah. they got a lot of transfers coming in, too. Yeah, but the kid from Baylor's really, really good. So, if they... I just... I, I'm more concerned about their front line. I know they can score, but they need some bigs that can play, but I, I never doubt Calvin Sampson. No, there's zero reason to. So, C.J. Stroud obviously had one of the most miraculous performances we've ever seen. We were just talking about it earlier in the show. You know, uh, Matt Schaub threw for 527 and five touchdowns, but this is the best rookie performance we've ever seen. Now, we've seen other rookies throw five touchdowns. Marcus Mariota did it in his debut. Wow. Um, we've seen, obviously, he passed Andrew Luck yesterday in single-season passing yards. So, like, it's not like what he did is completely unheard of, but still, it's just, it's, it's surpassed every expectation we could have had. No doubt. And, like, one thing Lamont said earlier when he called in, you know, kind of talking about people having to backtrack a little bit. Honestly, I don't I don't think that's necessary. Like, I, I don't think it's necessary for people to try to acknowledge that they didn't see this coming. Because what he's doing, though, like, collectively, is completely unheard of. Like, the expectation that, like, a Caleb Williams or Drake May would do this or any quarterback in the future it's unrealistic that you're going to see rookie quarterbacks doing this on a consistent level going forward. And here's the thing, Joe. There's a couple of different points to be made. And the first one is just admit that you were wrong, okay? Because I think you, I think you, are, you are trying to convince yourself and everybody else if you said, I, I picked C.J. Stroud as the quarterback of the Texans. I wanted him, and I knew he was going to be this good. Because you're a liar. You can get the first part of that. Like, I, I like C.J., but the he was going to be this good part of it right. doesn't exist. Like, I was fine with ever trusting whichever of the quarterbacks that Nick Casario and company felt like was the best fit for this franchise. I was totally fine with that. But I had my reservations in terms of was that guy going to translate to franchise quarterback and even if he, because we talked about franchise quarterback has tiers. Could he be top five good? Could he be top 10 good? Or could he be top 15 in the league good? Because those are all possibilities. But as I was weighing it out and watching all the choices, I'm going, I don't see anybody that just jumps off the paper and says to me, this dude's not only going to be really good, but he's going to be really good right away. So I think that those were questions that I myself said, look, I think we might go through, I compared it to the Davis Mills situation where you might need all 17 games this year to start really figuring out who you've got and how good he could be. For anybody to say that they saw this coming and they knew right from the jump that eight games in, this kid was going to be this good, do this many things, and only have one interception, I think you're full of you-know-what. Yeah, because even, like, I've heard the, the Georgia game get referenced a lot today when people are talking about C.J. Stroud. It's like, well, he showed you who he was when he played Georgia. But what's the, what's the history of that? Like, I think Deshaun Watson is the other comparable, what he did against Alabama when he won his national championship. Okay, like, Deshaun in that moment showed you who he was. But, like, Vince Young. Vince Young's the exact opposite of that. One of the greatest college football games, if not the greatest college football game ever, 
by a quarterback and by a team, but Vince Young was never a great NFL quarterback. Tim Tebow has all these great moments in college, all these big victories. Like, it doesn't translate to NFL success. So that's where even, like, looking back at the draft and being like, well, the Georgia game should have told us everything we need to know. I think that's a flawed logic, too. Yeah, it is a flawed logic because of you and I in particular and those that watch Big Ten football, no one can tell you. If you want to use that as a positive, what he did against Georgia, well, then I'll use the negative of the fact that he should have done that against every other team in the Big Ten for as long as he was with the Buckeyes because he had the best stable of receivers maybe next to Alabama because those guys were always five to seven yards open compared to any defensive back trying to hang with them and that he should have been doing that every single game. There were questions. It doesn't mean that they were unanswerable. It doesn't mean that you couldn't figure some stuff out. But for every Georgia person that's going to tell you that Georgia game and bring that up as a reason why you should have known that he was going to be this good, I'll say, well, then why the hell didn't he do it more consistently at Ohio State when he had all the talent that he had and playing inferior competition? Yeah, so when you look at like this season and, and the expectations we had for C.J. Stroud, it's, it's very clear he has surpassed every single one of them. He's already got them to four wins. He's played incredible throughout the entire year. He has set rookie records left and right. Like he's going to break a lot of these rookie records potentially, or at least get close. But what's, what's like, what's the next box to check for you? Because I actually, I don't, I know we don't want to talk too much about the Bengals game coming up this weekend, but it kind of feels like that's just the next box to check because besides beating a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, the only boxes that are left unchecked for me is could he do what he did last weekend? Could he get close to that again this weekend? Not necessarily beating the Bengals, but could he throw for three touchdowns and 300-plus yards again and consistently be this good? I guess that's my my next question mark. For yeah, I was, I was thinking about it coming in because of the fact that we've had so many naysayers that have said with every passing week where he does something good, someone says, well, now show me a come-from-behind victory. Show me a two-minute drill where he executes it and gets points when you absolutely have to have it. Show me, you know, all the different things, all the different critics we're bringing up. The only thing that you can say now when you want to add things to the bottom of the checklist for a guy that's done so much in his rookie year is, show me it against a playoff or Super Bowl caliber team where they they, they win a game that they probably were heavily favored to lose by just your performance. And then the next step from there would be, show me, do that to get into the playoffs or do it in the playoffs to take you places that no other quarterback has taken you. Other than that, he's checked every box and, and, and has proven everything to everybody that needed everything proven to them, including me early in the season, but more. Because you didn't expect any of these things that he's doing now with the game he had yesterday, with only having one pick eight, eight games in. If you'd have told me before the season, Vegas or otherwise, hey, what are the chances C.J. Stroud has only one pick after eight games of the regular season? I'd say zero. Not even like, oh, maybe 5%. I'm going zero yeah. for a rookie quarterback starting for the first time in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, and that's where it's, it's funny because it, it reminds me a little bit of our just like our week one uh, conversation argument that happened on the show. When we talked about comparing C.J. Stroud versus his contemporaries. I think the way he's playing right now, I'm, I'm kind of tired of even comparing C.J. Stroud's season to just Cam Newton to just Andrew Luck. I'm not saying like an all, it's an all-time great season we're having, but just it feels like he's playing well enough to where I don't even care what those previous rookie quarterbacks have done because I've just I've seen enough. Like he's he's good enough to where the the questions about CJ Stroud or how often can he repeat this? 
when the book is written, how do they counter? And, and honestly, don't you feel like they've already kind of done that counter a little bit? Yeah, because the thing is, Joe, there's always going to be an exception to the rule, right? For every Cam Newton or Andrew Luck that is a big name on a on a list of, of rookie quarterbacks that have done something special, there's always going to be the fluke that also did it for like a game or a year and then fell off the planet to where you can't just say, well, because he did this, then I expect that for the rest of his career. He still has a lot of work to do. He's still got to continue to get better. He's still got to be able to do these kind of things. But when you look at what he's already done, the bigger thing was when we had that, that conversation is he elevated his game to a level to where we were almost instantly after the second week of the season comparing him to every other quarterback in the NFL. So the learning curve was thrown out the window because he was already head and shoulders the best quarterback in this draft class, and he was already showing that he was putting up the statistics and reading defenses and making decisions like a guy that had been in the league a couple of years that warranted it. We didn't know when it was supposed to happen or when we should start doing it, but it came, became pretty evident after just a couple games. Uh, three five one five. show me a defense that doesn't give up 30 points, so do it again against a defense that doesn't give up 30. I think that's a fair response. You know, You have the Jets, you have the Browns, up this season, those are going to be, I think, for CJ, his biggest test. This as a Bengals game is going to be a huge test. Yeah, now this one, it's going to be a track meet. Like it's, I think that's more. They have a good defense. They showed it against the Bills last night. Like I think that that game is more about can you keep pace and can your defense try to hold steady because they obviously couldn't against Tampa Bay. I think the biggest test for him will be against the Jets and the Browns, and those might be kind of the barometers of like where he's actually at as a top 10 NFL quarterback. Yeah, I, I think in terms of the big picture, those are the games where he could take the next step for this season as it relates to how he rates league-wide. Because there's too, too many people right now, and I understand it to a certain degree, too many people are not willing to say right now, C.J. Stroud is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And I get it, right? Because there's still more to be seen and proven and done. But from what he's done already this season, if he does... The, if he's capable of moving the football, keeping him in the game, scoring points, putting up some really good numbers against the Jets and the Browns, you have to start giving him his flowers and say, it's not just, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. It's he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. If he does it against, I'll throw the Bengals in there as well. Those are the three barometer games still coming up. Yeah. Bengals, Jets, and, and Browns. Bengals because of the overall team and how good they are. Because you're going to have to put my numbers up just to stay in the game. Jets and Browns offenses have been limited, but defenses are some of the best defenses in football. Five two seven two. Don't you think the true measure of a new QB is the second year once the rest of the league has tape? Like that's a fair point. What does year two look like? Because but because he's not going to reach the pinnacle that like Patrick Mahomes did his first year as a starter, that Ben Roethlisberger did his rookie year where how far the Steelers and the Chiefs went. Like, the Texans are not going to go to an AFC title game. They're not going to go to Super Bowl. I feel pretty confident in that mm -hmm. in his rookie year. So, yeah, year two, I think, will tell you a lot about him. And the way they're going, they are going to have a tougher schedule. So, like, year two will mean a lot for CJ. For but sure. we've seen a lot of quarterbacks. I get it, year two. But just, I mean, they've got film on him after week one. They have film on him every week following that. We've seen defenses drop seven and eight back in the box. So I don't want to hear that for year two with the film tied to it. There's plenty of film on C.J. Stroud, and you know exactly what the tendencies are for what the Texans like to do. And we saw it because we saw defenses basically try and take away the crossing routes, the intermediate routes, the short, quick passes. He still found a way to beat you. And by the way, Tampa's defense is no slouch. 
No, it's not. And Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators right. we've ever seen in the NFL. Right. Like he has consistently had a top defense, no matter how bad his teams have been, even when he's been a head coach in the past. Like his defense has always played well. They do lack some talent, but look, CJ diced them up. Even if they're a bad defense, what he did was still very impressive. And that's where I'm going to say, whether it was a texture or a tweet or whoever it was, the fact is you can't just crap on Tampa's defense because they gave up a 30-burger. The fact is he put a 30-burger on a better-than-average defense in this league when you look at White and David and Winfield and some of the guys that they have, their secondary and their front seven and Vita Vea. They've got enough above-average quality football players. That defense is no slouch. All right, we talked a lot about the run game, the, the, the distribution between the run game and the pass game, but how, how sustainable is what we saw yesterday from the Houston Texans offense. We do that next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Getting roasted here, Joel, a little bit on the Twitch chat. Who are you? About my, me? Oh. About my new Texans hat? It's brand new. Today I did something that I haven't done in 10 years. I've lived in Houston for 10 years in April. Mm-hmm. I purchased my first Texans item. I'm on the bandwagon. You bought I, it. I bought oh. it. I mean, I got a lids discount from a friend. But I, uh, You're going to need it again by the end of the year. I know. I, I almost tried to cash it today, but I couldn't find a hat in your size. Um, funny. I was going to buy you the new Rockets hat. Do you know what size hat I have? Seven and a half. That's right. Yeah, I bought you a hat before when I used to work at Lids. Oh, that's right. You did. I was going to buy you the new Rockets hat, and we're going to talk Rockets in the next segment. What new Rockets with hat? The, the new, uh, with the Spaceman on it. I wasn't sure. I kind of like that logo. Yeah, I did too. I don't know. I don't like it on the hat, though. That's why I didn't do it. I didn't like, I like last it on the year's. Jersey. I didn't like last year's San Diego Rockets uniform simply because they tried to jazz it up and they did it their way. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it just really didn't have the, the kind of feel of like a throwback. I like the fact that they just went off the grid and designed their own logo for this and everything. Yeah. I think it's a good look. I think so too. Like, I like that they went back to like the, the Clyde and Dream, yep. you know, U of H kind yep. of jerseys, but yep. then they added a, a new modern twist. And the H Town instead of Houston. Yeah, and, like, and the Spaceman, Jumpman kind of combo logo I like. Yeah, now that they don't have to make, you know, their NBA City jerseys actually represent some the city and this country, I like most of them. Can we also admit that the courts that they're using for oh, this pl- this holiday tournament, whatever the BS tournament this they got. This in-season tournament. I saw Jeremy tweet about this because he was of the three of us on the show was the one who was trying to Oh, be, he was so pro it. I was, I was like, I was kind of getting sold on it. I couldn't. But then they put these jer- these these courts out there and I'm just like, what? Like, it looks like NBA It feels 2K. like a bad Euro tournament that they're trying to force feed you, like a Euro basketball tournament that, or yeah. like one of the, 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 what are the, 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 the $2 million tournament, the, whatever they call that every oh, year. Oh, the, uh, the big, no, it's not the big. It was it's the it's a basketball tournament. TBT, TBT, yes. TBT. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't need all that. The NBA is its own product that everybody knows. You don't have to have a court that you can't follow the players on. Yeah, it was tough. All right, so uh, I had this one uh, little nitpick I wanted to get back to from earlier in the show, but just the question overall is how sustainable is the offense we saw yesterday? I think the first part of this show for me mm-hmm. is that it's not because I just. I don't think you can get that far away from the run game that consistently. So let's talk about the variables, though, Joe, because I think that you don't have to if Damian Pierce is back because now you got a guy that at least is capable of running between the tackles. But I think that the other thing is the variables matter. Like, if you're not playing a front seven like Tampa has, then I mentioned White and David and Villa and, and, and you know, these guys that can plug up the run, that are aggressive, athletic, physical. I mean, you saw White and David throwing Singletary around like he was a rag doll early on, and you're like, oh, yeah. that's not going to work between the tackles. But I think that when you're playing other defenses, 
I, I think that you know that you absolutely can't. Like in the Pittsburgh game, you knew they had a pass rush, yeah. but they weren't great at stopping the run overall. The, you know, when, when you start talking about the teams you're playing, that's going to factor in how much you can possibly go more to the run and be more effective. You're not bringing anybody in at this point that's going to absolutely you know, change the complexion of your run game, and we know the offensive line isn't really capable right now of being a heavy run-blocking team. But when you get Pierce back, depending on who you play, you can get back to more balance. And here's the I, I question if there is an interest in doing this going forward. So we got a text here earlier to you from 4683. In my opinion, CJ's response to the call-out by the OC to make the decisions to have more explosive plays was very impressive. I agree. And while they had more explosive plays, this is where I'm not sure that this is the Texans' offense going forward. Do you think they really? I know, like the the game script kind of forced them into it by the Bucks scoring, but they also didn't have a kicker. So, like, I kind of am questionable of if there was this was their plan, or if the second half adjustments was by force because they knew they couldn't kick a field goal. Like their only option was to be ultra aggressive and try to score as many touchdowns as possible because they couldn't kick extra I don't, points. I, I don't. I think it was. I think it was done before they knew that Fairbairn was done for the game. Sure. I think it was more about the fact that they knew Singletary couldn't, with their defense, he couldn't get between the tackles and be effective. And the fact that they knew that CJ was so effective to the point about, because I, I had some question marks. We knew one thing for sure. They were more honest in a press conference than I think most teams are going to be. Because yeah. they knew what they had to do and they had to take more deep shots and they had to throw more than they ran the football. And the fact that they admitted that in, into the press where normally that's the last thing you're going to do is give it away. But they knew damn well this is like the Harden. We know what we have to do. We just have to go out and do it. Yeah. Well, when they do it, it's pretty tough for NFL defenses to stop them, and they've done this against some good defenses in this league. Yeah, and I think and I think that the, the deep shots should stay as part of this offense because you know, the main thing is, is that CJ can make the throws. Like It's not like you have a quarterback I think that there. might be as the biggest area where he's got to improve. I agree. I do think that the first half will get overlooked, and as it should. I mean, look, he... He was absolutely incredible in the second half. We both gave you gave you guys both gave him a double eagle. Yep. I went with the ace. But when we did our golf grades, but the, the first half you go okay, like I mean he was getting kind of roasted on social media by all these passes he was missing in the well, first the half. Well, the you know the tank sideline pass that he threw over his head was reminiscent of Davis Mills. When I used to always say Davis Mills is the best quarterback in the NFL at hitting the vendor in the fifth row whenever he has to throw an out route because he just couldn't be accurate with it. Mm. But that's just not who he is. But if I'm going to question anything, if we're going to nitpick C.J. Stroud's game to this point in the NFL, I think the one area where he has to get better is his deep ball because we saw it was the Carolina game, too, where he missed. Yeah, he missed. He, he missed, missed Nico, Nico He missed Nico deep on a, on a straight shot where he had a, a, a slam dunk touchdown if he just puts a little more air under that. So I think if you're going to nitpick, that's where he's got to get a little better. But you'll take what he's giving you right now. Yeah, I think that it's it's really... It's hard to look at what's happened with CJ Shaw and be like he has to improve in these three areas or he's never going to reach to like the absolute peak he can be because he's just passed every expectation. I do think that like going back to the year two thing, like there there is something to that. Like I'll even say I I think it's a little early to close the book on Bryce versus CJ. Yeah. I, I mean Bryce still like has a, a lot of room to grow as a quarterback. My guess is CJ will always be the better QB. Part of that still because I just don't believe a quarterback of Bryce Young's size can be successful in the NFL. And frankly, like like the other stuff, I don't think it matters. Like I think I'm I'm past that conversation of wanting to even compare CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I want to compare him with everyone else. I think it's fair to say 
that all three quarterbacks from this draft can be long-term starters in the league. I think it's also very, very fair to say C.J. Stroud's the best quarterback in this in this draft, yep. and it's not even close. As opposed to the Kenny Pickett draft and the Desmond Ritters and the oh, Willises and all that those guys, so bad. when they were trying to convince you and everybody else that at least one of them could turn out to be good, this is one where you could say there's three guys that could be long-term starters in this league. I just think that it's pretty clear cut that the that, one guy that the could third be guy great is that Richardson or is it Levis? See, I think it's Levis. Interesting. Yeah, because I think, you know, it, it goes to the point that I made even before the draft where there's things that you can you can get better at and you can improve on. And, there, and I said it today, too. The touch of C.J. Stroud. Richardson doesn't have that. I agree. And I don't know that he's ever going to get it. Now, you have a coach that's going to set up an offense for you to where you might never need to really make a lot of tight window throws. But aside from having that playbook scripted and written for you in every way so that you can try to avoid it, you're still going to have to make tough throws that I'm not sure he's going to ever be able to make. Yeah, and obviously with Richardson, it's just like Bryce, and honestly it's worse because, well, he's out for the season. Like, right. What is the long-term sustainability at some point? Does he stop running? Or if they do what Baltimore did, and finally at a certain point, whether it's Lamar or the organization saying, we've got to prolong Lamar, we've got to make it less run yeah. run happy for him, if you do that, that's when it's really going to become a big issue. Uh, 8655 asked, I have a legit question. Stroud is incredible. Don't get me wrong, but how much is it on the coaching staff as well and the QB? Mahomes had a whole year with Reed as well. Look, I, I think the coaching staff deserves quite a bit of credit. I, I don't think you can look at this situation and be like, it's all CJ. It's all Slowick. It, it's all Gerard Johnson. It Because of just it's such a short sample size, until Bobby Slowick is gone and a head coach somewhere, C.J. Stroud and Bobby Slowick are a team. Like, it's like it's See, like Belichick and that's, Brady. That's where I was going to go, too, because... Oh, that's going to get taken out of context. We talk about the fact... <laughs> that's not what I meant. That, that's going to be on SportsMap later. Um, when, when we talk about how smart Baltimore was when they drafted Lamar, to not make Lamar try and play a system that was completely away, go, going away from his main skill sets... Right, they designed an entire playbook around him. That's when you can really succeed, right? But where you can really fail is if you try to force a square peg into a round hole. So I think that it, it's totally great, and, and the coaching staff deserves credit. But I think more so than that, where they deserve credit is a first-time offensive coordinator could have come into this job and said, I know all, I'm doing all because I'm responsible for it, so you guys will do and run what I want. But it seems like, and I don't know if you have the same feeling, it seems like CJ's in communication with Bobby Slowick every week on the game plan and, and as Gerard Johnson. And with all hands on deck, that's where you get that continuity that makes it all work. hundred percent. It does. Like it's, you know, last week when he made the comments about the offense, you know, we, it was like this, this kind of contrived topic, but also just a question of like, is there any drama on Kirby about like him calling out his OC and the play calls, and the decisions they were making. And I think what's so clear is that the answer to that is no. And, like, they are a cohesive unit that, like, they have called out CJ. CJ has called out them. But they've done it in a way that it's not I – think, I think it makes calling out the wrong word. But you could – I think you can imagine this scenario, right? If CJ Stroud's with Bill O'Brien and CJ Stroud says, Coach, this is what I've noticed. Bill O'Brien, quite frankly, could say, hey, kid, I got this. Just sit – we'll talk about it at a certain point when I put the game plan in, but just relax. Whereas – I really believe, and the key to me, and I don't know if you noticed this or not and how long you watched the end of the game, but at the end of the game after the, t the touchdown to win it, it was Laramie Tunsil. It was Slowick. It was, it was Howard, 
and it was CJ. And there was an open dialogue where there was a ton of really meaningful conversation going on where they were all on board, where you know they're all bought in, and this is a, a, a together we achieve more as opposed to the dictatorships that a lot of offensive coordinators or head coaches are. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, th- this is not a... Even like Bill O'Brien is a great example. Even Mike McCarthy and like this is this is an improvement from anything we've seen with the Texans in the past because what's not working they're working together to fix and like they're just moving forward as an offense. It's been it's been super impressive what the Texans have done so far this season. All right, they're not the only young team in town with some impressive wins. The Rockets can they get back to five hundred tonight? We talk about it next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Okay, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health taking care of people in the Houston area. Three locations to better serve you. Now one in League City, two near downtown Houston. Bottom line is, when you get older and just from day to day when you get stuck in the grind, there's a lot of times where you fall short of getting everything done and you think there's no way you can get more energy in your life. No no way you can get back in the gym or lose weight or do the things that you felt was so easy when you were younger in life. Well, they can get all that back for you and more at Apollo Men's Health because they take care of both men and women on a daily basis with hormone therapy, B12 shots, and a variety of different ways that you can get more energy on a daily basis. They also make sure if you're getting into a workout program that they have ways that you can actually chart your progress and do body composition analysis every so often so you can see that your body fat's going down, your muscle mass is, is going up, that your important numbers are, are in the right place making sense for you. And that, like, if you want to recover quicker after doing workouts and you get too sore, they have HGH peptide therapy and other ways that you can get rid of that, too. Want to lose weight? Don't want to go to the gym? Don't have the time? Now, FDA-approved semi-glutide is available. You can lose up to six pounds every week. Never go to the gym, touch a treadmill or a weight. They can take care of you. All you have to do is be honest with them. So it starts by going to ApolloMH.com. Book your first appointment. Go in. Ask questions. Get answers. But more importantly, they're going to ask questions of you. Be honest. Tell them where you're lacking. Tell them where you need help. They'll put you on a program that works, and they'll get you where you need to go and get you the results you're looking for. They're great people. Mention my name, Joel Blank, a free body composition analysis or a B12 shot on your first official visit to see if it works for you like it works for me, and then let the process go from there. Be honest, ask questions, answer their questions, get the program that you need, and get it one that works. I'm telling you, go see my people today. They're great. But go see the people at Apollo Men's Health. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you for the final half hour of the Killer Bees today. Jeremy off getting ready for Coug basketball tonight. We will have AM basketball coming up at 6.30. We'll do 30 minutes of the bullpen. We'll have AM basketball on 97.5. After that, on 92.5 tonight, we will have the Houston Dynamo versus Real Salt Lake. If they win that, they, they advance in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I expect the general manager or head coach of the Dynamo to be on the Bees the next couple of days. So we pumping that up as well. Surprise. I know. We've just been talking about it, but we've been going back and forth with them. Um, the Houston Rockets play the Sacramento Kings tonight. And they won their game over the weekend. And I'm going to start here, Joel. Okay. Hand up. I was wrong. About? Put my hand in the Twitch shot for everyone. Alpi. I was wrong about Alper and Shingun. You didn't think he was going to be good? I my my take on Alpi had been that he is going to be a liability when this team is ready to be in the playoffs. That when they when they when you get to the playoffs, that Alperen Shingun is going to have to come off the court because he's going to be a massive defensive liability. He might still be, but he's so good on offense. This team, when he's on, this team is incredible. They can withstand a ten point Jalen Green. I think incredible is like a. Is a big word they're they're much better than i expected when he's very good i did not think albie could be the leader 
on this team offensively? Alpi, to me, was a guy that I thought could be one of your three go-to guys because of how good he was offensively. I did have some reservations about if he could ever truly understand defensive switches, rotations, because I know he struggled mightily with rotations last year. And, 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 and you know, what's more important, keeping a guy out of the lane or contesting a three-point shot? Those are the kind of things that he struggled with. But to me, you could always run the offense through him. To, now, when you look at it, I mentioned this to Jeremy the other day, I firmly believe, Joe, that you could facilitate the entire offense through Alperin Shengun, yep. whether he's on the low block or on the elbow. And because of what a great passer he is, that your guys would get more open looks and have more of a, more continuity on offense than running it through Jalen Green. I honestly think at this point right now, of the two guys, I believe that Shengun's not only a more valuable player, he's a better player. Look, I'm tired of this. And I know Jeremy was trying to convince me the other day that actually that Jalen Green was putting some good games together. Jalen Green is all about Jalen Green. Jalen Green can't play in a system. Jalen Green can't run an offense. Jalen Green doesn't play defense. Shangun's trying to play defense, but what you know is he's unselfish. He's talented. And he can play offense like some of the better centers in this league. Yeah, I agree. To where you should really value that. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I, you've been around basketball for a very long time. So I need you to explain Dylan Brooks to me like I'm an idiot. Because I don't, I I don't I understand. I, I don't understand, Joel. He's not this guy, but he is this guy. So, so here's where I would start with that, Joe. I think some guys feel the responsibility that others don't when you get big money. Like, you you feel an obligation to have to live up to it. Other guys just say, I got the money now. I got my bag. I don't care if I play well or not. I'm going to be paid and taken care of for the rest of my life and my family's lives and several other generations' lives. But I think that when he got the money he did this offseason, he went and played for Team Canada. And he got in the gym, and I, and I talked to guys that saw him even outside of the Team Canada working workouts, was working out with Rockets guys, was working out with his trainers, was doing things to make sure that he lived up to as much as he could the contract that he had signed. And I think that's good on him because not only that, but when you think about it from a off-the-floor reputation psychological standpoint, the fact that he was trying to be a villain probably too much. Mm -hmm. And he was getting an overall reputation with referees and across the league that was going to hurt him that he had to kind of flip the script. And so in so many ways, credit to Dylan Brooks for working on all those different elements in the offseason to where he came in a different player, to where he's playing a different game, to where we said he wasn't a good three-point shooter and now suddenly he is. Yeah. He was known as a, a defensive guy, right? He could lock down guys, the whole LeBron thing. But could he ever be a 15-plus point scorer and do some of the other things he's doing? I didn't think he could. I'm glad I was wrong because yeah. of the two veterans they signed, him and Van Vliet, I would never have been the guy to tell you because I wanted Van Vliet badly. I would have never been the guy that would have thought Dylan Brooks has out, could outplay Fred Van Vliet to this point. Uh, like on a, a percentage scale, right? Like this is 100% of what Dylan Brooks is capable of Probably in right. his career. Probably right. But uh, how much of this, like, is sustainable? Like, 70% of this, 60%? Because I think he can be, you know, the way he's playing. If, if the three-point shooting is relatively consistent like this, he, he's a 16- to 18-point guy almost every night that plays really good defense, and is kind of a culture changer for this team in a big way. Yeah, I think sustainability is easier when you're not expecting to sustain superstar max money type stats. Yeah. Right? 
So if you're Fred Van Vliet and you're making the money he's making, even though Dylan Brooks, I think, still is grossly overpaid, but if Dylan Brooks can average 15, 16 points a game and be your defensive stopper and get you some rebounds along the way and be that locker room presence, not that he's going to ever be worth all that money, but I think you can sustain that for the next several years and he could be a key member of your team and your starting lineup. He's never going to be one of your one of your max max top three players, right? They just were in a situation where they had a ton of money. They, they had, had to spend, spend it. Yeah. And so they overspent a little bit on him. But if he gives you what he's giving you, it's easy to take that and say, I'll take what he's given me. Especially with all these guys on, on like rookie deals. But at a certain like, point, you're going to look at Van Vliet and go, we're paying how much? I think I think that like probably in in the best of the worlds with, with the Rockets, like you are hoping that Amen Thompson, when he comes back, yeah. plays really, really well. And then this offseason, you're finding a way to dump out of Fred's contract. I think that's honestly the best case scenario. I'll tell you where you could go. You know, it's too soon to even talk about this, but if there is a moment, Philadelphia is the spot simply because of the fact that Nick Nurse coached Fred Van Vliet and get the most out of him. Fred Van Vliet needs a low post score to be able, and he's got one in Alpi, but when you have an an MVP like Embiid, I mean, Fred Van Vliet can get a ton of open shots and, and be more effective than, like you said, trying to play big brother to all these young guys and still facilitate an offense and do what Adoka wants you to do. Yeah, I think that one thing that's really stood out for me, though, in that last game and then just overall, there's this one play where I don't remember who had the ball, but it ends with kind of the top right you know, part of the three-point line. Fred Van Fleet misses a three, but there, the ball movement, it, like they went baseline, and there's three more passes before Fred took the three, and he was wide open, so it was the right shot. It was just, it looked like real basketball. Oh, no doubt. Like, it's such a low bar for the Rockets that watching them play, they just play basketball the way it's supposed to be, and it's in, it's in, it's kind of pathetic that the bar is that low, but it's very refreshing to see. But here's the thing, Joe. I expected to see it sooner until I realized how much work has to go in each individual, how much work has to be put in to kind of start grasping the concept of not just the offense now, because he calls plays on defense too. And you've got to know where you need to be and what you need to do on every defensive play, which is why Jalen Green has struggled so much on both ends of the floor. Because I don't think in his entire career, from the G League on, he's ever had a situation where he has to learn offensive structure and plays other than give me the ball and get out of the way. He is the biggest learning curve of everyone on this team. I think that's very clear through five games. So to your point, I watched the game the other night. If you want to be glass half full, turnovers were under 15. Yep. And, and so that was something that I thought was big in trying to really start grasping what Udoka wants. What I think is bad is it was a glossy loss. I mean, a glossy win and everything like that, but it was empty because De'Aaron Fox didn't play. It does matter. If but- De'Aaron Fox played, would that outcome have been different? I think there's a chance. See, you know, this is my hard part with the NBA, Joel, and why I don't love it. It's because that argument you just made is so sound, and I know he's hurt, but the problem is, is that it feels like 80% of the games this year, that's going to happen. Beal's going to sit out. Kawhi's going to sit out. Harden's going to sit out. LeBron's going to sit out. So it's like, it's so hard to know who, it's not like the NFL in Major League Baseball where like the best players are on the court or on the field 90% of the time. Here's the other thing, Joe, that also bothers me about the league, which makes enough money that they shouldn't do this. But because Sacramento's playing two games this close together in Houston against the Rockets, you you miss a chance at a really good barometer and De'Aaron Fox playing at home and all the other sidebars because you want to save on travel expenses. Like, 
there should be no, we're, we're over COVID, we're over all these other issues and concerns, and the, all these teams make enough money that you shouldn't be playing Sacramento back-to-back at home over a three-day three span when you know you want the, the people from Houston want to see De'Aaron Fox, the local kid. They want to see the Rockets at full yeah. strength against the Kings. And for now, two of the four games that you're going to play against the Kings this year, you won't see that. All right, we got a couple things to get to in the final segment. Of course, our Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Getting your nominations to 713-780-3776. Before we go to break, though, we got a little giveaway for you guys. Captain Marvel has reclaimed her identity from tyrannical Cree and taken revenge on the supreme intelligence. Yeah, Joel. Captain Mar- Marvel's Captain a Marvel. female? Yes. When her duties send her to an anomalous wormhole linked to Cree revolutionary, her powers become entangled. With that of Jersey City superfan Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, together this unlikely team must learn to work in concert to save the universe as the Marvels. Caller 5 to 713-780-3776 wins a four-pack of tickets and a $100 Visa gift card to see the movie The Marvels release in theaters November 10th. Our car wreck of the day is next. Hey, before we go to the break, I'm going to tell you about the good people at MyBookie. You know when your money's on the line? You want it on the line with a trusted sports book that gives you tools to win like they do at MyBookie. The best thing you need to know about MyBookie, they've been in business for over a decade. They aren't going anywhere, which means neither is your money. It's going to be safe and secure. If you want to get it out, they're going to get it out for you. But they're not going to hem and haw and and, and basically act like they're desperate because they need you to stay in with your money instead of getting out and spending it as you wish. They don't worry about those things because they've been in business long enough that they're established and they take care of their customers in a variety of different ways. You can use my bookie for daily odds boost, same game day, same game parlays. You can take advantage of huge prize pool contests. But the way that they really, truly take care of their customers is by doing things like they're doing now with this match bonus that they do for you. If you go to mybookie.ag on your first deposit and use our promo code BET975, you can grab a deposit match up to $1,000, which means if you put 100 in, they'll put 100 on top of it instantly. 200 in your account, more money in your account means more games you can bet on, and of course, better chances to win because you're playing more games. It's absolutely fantastic. They take care of you that way. Once you're signed up, you can try that MyBookie money bag and get all kinds of crazy long shot odds, sometimes up to plus 7,000. You can cash in because you're a customer that stays loyal to MyBookie. And they got all the different sports going on. We know that there's college football, pro football, NBA basketball. There's everything from UFC to soccer to you name it, they've got it, almost every sport. You're not going to find odds like that anywhere else or the opportunity to bet like that anyplace else. That's why I always tell you that there's only one place you need to go. Get started right now. Go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code BET975 for that welcome bonus, and then do what I tell you. Whenever you want to play any kind of gambling game, including live dealers standing by with casino games when there aren't games going on, it's the only place I tell you to go. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. But the only place I tell you, go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. All right, time for the car wreck of the day. On the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You can get your nominations in. 713-780-3776. Or to the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. One quick note on the Rockets we did not mention. Uh, Tari Eason is going to practice tomorrow. And then if all goes well, Ime Adoka says he might be back on Wednesday. That's a big get for them. Because Pretty he good. is a really good piece to that puzzle. And when you know how much that Udoka stresses defense, 
that's a guy that can understand and play defense for him. So I think that's a really good get for them if they get him back early because he can help. All right. You want to start today? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm going to say that the Grinch might be looking to steal Christmas because the Grinch got fired, uh, and and that was the best move of the weekend for a guy that shows he doesn't belong to be the defensive coordinator at USC or anywhere else. Alex Grinch was awful. He was awful all year. No matter how good or bad the USC offense is, and they have a ton of talent, they couldn't stop anyone, and they proved it again against Washington and Michael Penix. Alex Grinch got fired. Lincoln Riley, I think it was probably a game and a half, two games too late. Yeah. But at least he did what he had to do. Honestly, it's one of those things, too, where like it's it's players, it's scheme, but it's not going to make an impact until next year. But because he has to, Lincoln Riley, with his contract and with that situation, yeah, you got to make a you got to continue to stay relevant and recruit and get better. And no one was looking at that going, I want to go play defense for that dude. I think Jim Leonard, what do you think? Yeah, Jim Leonard, we, I looked it up the other day after he didn't get the Wisconsin job that I think in a lot of ways he deserved. Yeah. But Jim Leonard is just a defensive uh, a, a, a defensive assistant at Illinois right yeah. now because he played for Bruce Bielema, who's the head coach. Jim Leonard's a great call. I think that would be a really interesting hire. Like if USC back in the Big Ten, so he's going to have familiar with a lot of those schools, oh, another those good coaches. Call. I know, so USC in the Big Ten. I can't wait. And he'd get a chance to get revenge on Wisconsin because you know that hurt. As much as he oh. loves the Wisconsin program, he had said that was his dream job and he yeah. would have stayed. Yeah, that would be big. That's a good call. Yeah, he's my my number one option for USC as their DC or Jim Harbaugh's replacement. If it got to that point, Jim Leonard would go to Michigan. If Harbaugh got fired, probably not. A big I don't think he's a big enough him. name, but I think it would make if they wanted to make a really good hire, they'd do it. Yeah, Josh, your nomination. So last year for me, or last year, last week for me, it would have been the entire Las Vegas Raiders organization with the whole, you know, we're getting. These people out of here and going off of the loss. And then, of course, Devontae Adams just being irate on TV, which everyone could understand why. Just the entire situation was terrible. But coming off of the win yesterday, just seeing how relieved the team was, smoking the victory cigars in the locker room and like the IG lives and stuff. So the culture in one week to me has already changed from terrible to Okay, I could see something being built at least to the end of the season. So, shout out to Antonio Pierce. So, my car wreck of the day definitely has to go to Josh McDaniels for being an absolute turd of a head coach. I mean, he's maybe one of the worst head coaches in the history of the NFL. It's another. It, I mean, honestly, it, it, like, maybe. he is he is a victim of the system of Bill Belichick, but he is the victim because he got exposed. Oh, I mean, like, because you thought there was a chance it'd be better than it was in Denver. But it's been so bad. It's like we talk about coaching trees. This has been the coaching weeds because it's not even a bush, right? It's just it's so every bad. coach when they leave Belichick is coming from the tree and creating just a bunch of weeds and dandelions and nasty stuff. Because who succeeded coming out? Give me one coach. Bill O'Brien might be the closest to a success story. It's not my, he's the best. Of all the Belichick tree guys. He's a bunch one. of weeds. Honestly, you know what's crazy? Like, if if Belichick were to leave and go somewhere else and fail the way he's failing in New England right now. Brady, 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 Brady. I, Brady's like, he's making Belichick, it seems like. He made the tree. He made the organization. He made Robert Kraft. You could Belichick go, from, you could go fails, from a guy who reputation right now is the greatest NFL coach of all time. And he could be exposed. Big time. Uh, I'm going to nominate something we just talked about. These courts 
for the NBA in-season oh, tournament yeah. are such a disaster. Like, if you went with just, like, an all-red court, you could sell me on it for, like, the Rockets. Was, I don't even know what the Rockets looks like now that I think about it, but there's got to be, like, a white stripe in the middle. It's so stupid. And then they put this trophy yeah. on the court. But they took away the trophy from the NBA Finals. Like, the Larry O'Brien trophy on the court. I think the last time we no, had it. No, because they have a special trophy for this stupid mid-season tournament. I know, tournament. but, like, bring the Larry O'Brien trophy back. Like, when the, I think the last time it was on the court. What's the was Finals? Like, no, they don't. No, I'm talking about the big one. Yeah, the big Larry O'Brien trophy is only they haven't on the done, courts. They haven't for, done it since Kobe played in the NBA Finals. The last time it was, like, on the court was, like, Kobe versus the Celtics. Yeah, but they're already trying to over-promote this stupid trophy for this stupid tournament. So they have to have it on. Look, you the, took away the, the, the real problem trophy. I have is you can't have it both ways, right? This is where, like, some of these teams outthink themselves. When you allow teams, and speaking from a guy that used to call NBA games and knows how difficult it is sometimes when you have, like, black numbers on a dark black or gray yeah. jersey, it ain't fun. But then you throw in the court, and anybody watching the game, not even calling it, it's is going, eyesore. who the hell was that? You can hardly see the players on these courts. Uh, the other nomination I had, um, if you guys have any still, we got one here, Mike Vrabel. I He's, he's, he's overachieved based on what he's been dealing with. Yeah, I mean, Will Levis is his quarterback. I think the, the, the car wreck there, I think, is honestly the hiring of Tim Kelly. Yeah. Like, but the only thing I was going to nominate was um, the NFL for putting Chiefs Dolphins at 830 in the that morning. That sucked. I watched it. I did, and, too. And at first, I thought, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll get up early. I'll watch it. But then I'm watching. I'm like, this kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I wish this game was at 3 o'clock. Plus, if it was in Kansas City, or, you know, the home yeah. field or Miami. Would, booing Tyreek Hill. Yeah. It, that would have been a lot better to me. I, I totally get with that. I'm done with the overseas games. Yeah, I think we got one more this weekend. I ain't going to watch. I think it's Patriots-Colts. Why doesn't your Cubs get a vote? You mean the Mets? For being No, the Cubs for being dirty pool. They didn't fire their manager until after they hired another one. We don't care about feelings on this show. That's dirty. Well, Jeremy doesn't. Let's go, correct counsel. All right. That does it for us. Who wins? Um, I'm going to think the NBA courts. Of course opinion. you did, because you nominated. Who do you think wins? I'm going to take the Grinch. Oh, no, I'll agree with that. The Grinch can win. That I sucks. think all three of us can agree with that one. All right. All right. All right that does it for us. I'm going to stick around for another 30 minutes for the bullpen, and then we'll have Anna and basketball. All three of them will be back tomorrow. Bye.